right, I'm going to bring you back. I'm curious what uh, Christmas music or Christmas movies were talked about. Any Christmas movies that people absolutely love to watch? Die Hard. Die Hard. That's a perfect Christmas movie. <laughs> Which one? The Muppet Christmas Carol or just the Christmas Carol. Go ahead. Charlie Brown. That's a good one. Yeah. The Star. We like that one, too. The Grinch. Go ahead. It's a Wonderful Life. That's a good one. Say it a little bit louder. Home Alone. Home Alone. Oh, yeah. We like uh, Elf in our house. Elf. It's become a favorite. Rudolph. <laughs> Home Alone. That's, that's uh, George's vote. All right, last one. Home Sweet Home Alone. Oh, there must be, that must be number like five or something. I think there is way too many Home Alones that were made. Like how many times can you reinvent that, uh, that, <laughs> that movie? Well, if I haven't met you yet, I'm Christian Ann. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, uh, watching a Christmas movie has sort of become one of our family traditions uh, as our family's gotten older and actually understands jokes and things like that. Um, but something that I've noticed is kind of one of the common themes in Christmas movies in and of itself is this trying to get home for Christmas or uh, all being together for Christmas. And uh, this goal has really become, I think, in the United States is this like family gathering, this being together. And um, as my family was watching uh, the movie Elf, Elf still to this day, like at the end when Santa Claus is, is finally being believed in again and the clausometer was like finally going up because they were all singing this song. Like the twinkling lights and the, the twinkle music in the background is playing. Like I find myself tearing up. And I'm like, why am I crying? Like, <laughs> why am I crying about this? Like, so as this, you know, the, cue the Christmas music and for some reason this like sentimentalism sort of comes over me in this magic I feel like I just want it to be true. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something in me that kind of wishes it's true, that maybe Christmas will be saved. I don't know. Maybe it's all the years that I believed in Santa and all the years that I, I lived that. And I just, as an adult, I sort of think, like, what, what is going on in me? But uh, when I was a kid, I believed Santa until I was about 10 years old. So we're going we're gonna, to, oh, wait, wrong direction. I'm not good at this. Here we go. There I am. So I'm seven there, and as you can see, like, I am, I am into it, you know? Like, little brother was born, and uh, I, I believed in Santa for a long time, and um, I don't think I've changed that much. <laughs> Still got the same hairstyle, a little more curl, though. Um, but I believed in Santa, I believed in the Tooth Fairy, I believed in the Bunny Rabbit for a long, you know, the Easter Bunny for a long time, and I think because... You know, using your, your imagination is fun and good. And I think I really wanted to believe. I really wanted to believe in something bigger than myself. I wanted to believe in, in a love that was unbiased. I wanted to believe in something that was unconditional and something that was timeless. Sort of this love that I felt like I got from Santa that I was cherished. That I would get, you know, special gifts on Christmas morning. 
So then zoom ahead to Christian Anne now as an adult. And many of you know that as, uh, this last fall, I started a job as a therapist. And I get a front seat to people sort of telling me some big things in their life. I get a front seat, especially during this time uh, around the holidays, to people wondering about a lot of big feelings and one of those things being their worth. People wondering about themselves and whether they matter. And so I see on, you know, I get a, a form of people, they fill it out uh, when they, you know, first sort of seeking out counseling. And it doesn't matter if someone's an atheist, if someone's Jewish, a nihilist, I had to look up what that was, uh, a Christian. Everyone, I would say, at one point in their talking with me, asked this question, do I matter? And this is a question that I believe that we're asking, that we're sort of asking in sort of all these beliefs around Santa. Am I special? In this season, do I want to be together? Do people want to be together with me? This question of do I matter is something that I believe that we're born asking the moment we, we enter into this world. It's a question that's woven into the story that we're going to be reading about today, that we're celebrating today in the person of Jesus. So Matthew, 18, Matthew 1, 18 is actually where we're going to read. And it was, we got a little preview of it uh, during our Advent reading, if you guys could hear that. Sometimes it's a little, little wild during those Advent readings, let's just say that. Um, but I'm going to read it again for you. And I encourage you, if you want to close your eyes, just to sort of soak it in, I welcome you to do that. Um, but I'll read it for us. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And... They did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus, Emmanuel. So as I read this scripture, as I reflected on it, a few things stood out to me. But I'm curious, is there anything in that scripture that stood out to you? Maybe just pause and think back. Was there a word or a phrase that stood out to you? And you can just raise your hand and kind of just shout it out. Any, any word or phrase as we read that that stood out to you? Go ahead. Yeah, just about Mary. Yeah, she she had Jesus, that's right. Anything else that stood out to people? George, you had something?
Yeah. In other, and that reminds me, another version that says Mary cherished all these things in her heart. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Any other things that stood out from the scripture? Yeah, go ahead, Shay. Yeah, and that's a great question. In that time, it was, it was very unacceptable to be found with child before she was married. And so he, he thought it actually would, would have been an acceptable thing to shame her from all sorts of people. But he was trying to do something kind and kind of make it quiet. And so that's when the angel intervened and said, no, we want you to still marry her. Yeah, it's a good question. As I was thinking about this, This phrase, this first phrase, stood out to me. And this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. And then as I read this story, I really thought about that this is kind of a weird story. (laughs) This is pretty weird. It's sort of obscure. And even in that time, it was countercultural. Like what Shay brought up, it was very countercultural to continue in a relationship with someone even after this grievous thing had happened. And, you know, they didn't understand about, you know, think about that. Yeah, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Like that's probably not something a lot of people would believe. So this is a weird and amazing story that has become a part of our story as Christians. And it never ceases to amaze me how God chooses to enter the world. This is God's debut, other than when he created the world. This is God's debut as Jesus into the world. He could have come in this really powerful way. Like, what if he came as like a superhero, right? (laughs) What if he had just like came and he was this powerful being? But instead, like he chose to come as a man, a part of an oppressed people group, a powerless people group. The Jewish people at the time were just an insignificant dot on the earth. Why did Jesus, why did God choose to be born as this helpless, vulnerable baby? Like, remember, like when babies are born, like they have to be completely taken care of, and God chose to become flesh and become a child. And I don't know. I don't know why God chose it this way. But these are the things that I see that we can know in this scripture. That God chooses regular, average, faithful people. Like Joseph. Like Mary. Like Mary's older cousin, Elizabeth, who becomes pregnant in her older age when she had kind of given up hope. God chooses regular, faithful people. He loves them and invites them into his plan to save the world. Something else I see in the scripture that we can know is that God chooses fearful people, imperfect people. Joseph had a fear response. He's like, I don't, I don't know what happened. How did she get pregnant? He had a fear response. But he, God offers him a second chance to believe, to trust that God's doing something here through a dream. And if you look at the genealogy of Jesus, which is just before this chapter, or this, this part of the chapter, it is just lined with people who are imperfect, who have failed, who need second chances. But God still chooses to invite them into his purposes, into his plan for saving the world. And they didn't all of a sudden become perfect. They just said yes. You want to ask? 
Right. Yeah. God chose to be just like us so that we could ultimately relate to him. That's right. And what we see in this scripture through the prophet Isaiah that is mentioned here is that God fulfills his promises. Hundreds of years before, God made a promise that the virgin would conceive a child and she would give birth to him and they would name him Emmanuel. And in fact, that promise was actually a part of a list of promises, a string of them that has been there. Like in Exodus, when he tells Moses, he said, my presence shall go with you, Emmanuel, and I will give you rest. He promises that to the Israelite people. He says this to David, also an imperfect person who who messed up plenty of times. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, Selah, or praise. And so God has been promising to be with his people since the moment he created the world. But our rebellion and our sin has gotten in the way. Human stubbornness, our denial, our insistence on doing it our way has pushed God away. But here's the truth, is that he still wants to be with us. He still wants to be with us. In fact, he promises to be with us and restore the broken relationship with all humanity between us and God. And so I don't know exactly why God did it the way he chose to in coming and putting flesh on himself and becoming a baby and so we can relate to him. Absolutely. But one thing that I do know is that God is good on his promises. That God, the creator of of the world, chose to become flesh, and Emmanuel, God with you, chooses to be with you. And so when people sit across from me on that couch, in that therapy room, they share some pretty intimate things, some pretty horrific things sometimes. And I feel like it boils down to this, rejection. People feeling rejected by people who promise to love them. People feeling rejected and abandoned in their life. People wanting to reject certain parts of themselves that they can't stand. Self-hatred, that's a form of rejection. But we're created for relationship. We're created to be with God. We're created to be in peace and love and hope and have all these things, not just with others, but with God and with ourselves, but yet we experience this rejection. And so the power that we celebrate in Christmas and in Jesus isn't some magic thing where we just talk about, in theory, we talk about hope and we talk about peace and we talk about, you know, these little things that that are really nice to put on a candle. But no, we celebrate that love, this last candle that we lit, is found in Jesus, and found in a per- person. And he, God chose this path, this story, not because it's just a good story, but because you are worth it. You are worth it. And so as we look back over this story of Jesus, you're worth the virgin birth. You're worth the worry and anxiety when Jesus' parents couldn't find him in Jerusalem. 
You're worth the years that Jesus was a kid and endured puberty, endured lots of different things that were unknown to him. You're worth every miracle. You're worth the mocking and the denial that, that Jesus experienced in his life. You're worth every sarcastic comment that, that he had to put up with. And you're worth his journey to the cross, his death and his resurrection. Because God chose by coming to earth to be with us. And so today, as you think about this love putting flesh on, this love coming to be present with us on earth and promising to come back again as we wait in that second advent, I really believe advent is this longing for the fulfillment of our deepest desire to be loved and accepted, who we are, to be chosen even in the midst of our imperfections and our flaws and our mistakes. And so as I close today, let's just, I mean, I don't know if you came from a busy weekend, I sure did, or maybe you're going into spending some time with family, but I wonder about letting that reality set in and we take just a minute or two of quiet before we engage in worship again and we let this reality that Jesus chose you settle in. So I'm going to encourage you, I do this a lot uh, as a practice in my own life, and I encourage you to join me in it, to put both feet on the floor, to sort of settle into your chair. And if it's helpful, you can close your eyes, or you can kind of just like soften your gaze or kind of stare out, out the window. And just become aware of this breath that you have. Become aware of the life that God has given you today. And maybe you're reflecting back on some of the story we just read. Maybe you're reflecting on some of the pain that is a part of your life right now. How can you picture Jesus with you in this moment? I encourage you to breathe in through your nose and gently out through your mouth. And as you let your body relax a little bit, letting this promise sink in with you. I am Emmanuel. God with you. I am Emmanuel with you in the joys and the sorrows. Can you picture Jesus' face? Can you maybe even feel him put a hand on your shoulder? What is it like for you to receive this promise? To receive this truth and reality of Emmanuel, God, with you? You are chosen. You don't have to be perfect. You are loved 
And the God of the universe wants to be with you and walk with you every day. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, we, we want to know your presence, not just in our minds, but in the peace that passes understanding that can rest in our nervous systems. God, when everything else feels chaotic, let this promise be something we come back to you that you want to be with us, that you came to this earth. You came in the form of a baby to walk with us, to understand, like us, what it's like to be human. And we pray, God, that your promise to be with us would settle into us, God, not just theoretically, but be something that comforts us as we go into this new year. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.